Hi, I'm Tiki Barber, co-founder of Thusio. Thanks for listening to the Thusio Live and Unfiltered podcast brought to you by Insperity. This episode features six-time NBA champion and Chicago Bulls legend Scottie Pippen being interviewed by Chicago Tribune sports writer Teddy Greenstein. Scottie shares the evolution of his relationship with teammate Michael Jordan, how he grew into a leadership role with the Bulls, some of his favorite All-Star weekend memories, and his thoughts on the current Bulls team. Enjoy the interview. Y'all know the resume, but let's, uh, you know, run through it a little bit because it's pretty gaudy. It's kind of fun to say these things. Uh, Six-time NBA champion. Seven-time All-Star. Eight-time All-NBA first-team defense. Bobby Knight would appreciate that. Uh, Named one of the greatest 50 NBA players of all time. Wow. Uh, Had his number 33, jersey 33, retired by the Chicago Bulls. And you're an ambassador for the Bulls, is that right? I was. (laughs) Do you still want to associate with them or not? I got fired this year. Whoa! Do we know about that? Yeah, I didn't really want to be out in the public, but I'm no longer employed by the Bulls. Okay, okay. Probably is a good thing, right? Yeah, you're free, man. Absolutely. Honestly... I like to associate myself with winning. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, now that you mention it, I was watching The Jump today on ESPN, which is a spectacular show. Hopefully you all watch. And uh, they were debating the Bulls. And Michael Wilbon was saying, well, you can't expect them to win this year because their entire front court is injured. And you had an interesting response to, to that contention. What'd you say? I don't know half the team. (laughs) I'll tell you. You said, I don't really think they're legitimate NBA starters anyway. Yes, I I did say that. I I do feel like the talent level, maybe Zach Levine, but I feel like the talent level that the Bulls have right now are below what it needs to be in the NBA. And I I do feel like that they, they have some young players that are up and coming, so I'm not really knocking those players, but I think they got to get more talent some free agents if they're going to be able to try to compete, period, night in and night out. I mean, what has happened to Larry Markkinen? Why has he descended this year? He had a bad We got some boiling hecklers season. already in the crowd. But yeah. I heard somebody said no coach. But I just, you know, I always like to point the finger at the player. You know, he didn't work hard enough in the offseason because we're not seeing the fruit of his labor. I hear you. Um, all right. Before we start, I do want to thank uh, Thusio's partners, Access One, Verizon, and Insperity. Thank you guys so much for getting involved. All right. So we're here for All-Star Weekend, so I do want to start with some All-Star Game questions. I mean, I think some people in the NBA kind of dread this weekend, but I think some people completely love it. Where do you fall in line? As a player or as a fan? Well, give me as a player, because you played in enough of them, and now as, a as player, you right now. I actually hate it this weekend. Because you, as a player, you, you look forward to this break. It's supposed to be a break, but when you come here as a player, it's, it's not a break. It's more work than you would have, you know, if you were going to practice or whatever, because you got family, friends, you're trying to get tickets, you got events, and then they got parties every night, so... 
You know, Poor guy. you're going to go out and party, you're going to have a few cocktails. And by the time when I was in the league, there was a game on Tuesday night. So if you played an all-star game, you had one day of rest and it's, you know, back to business. But I think they get a week vacation or something now. So a players association is pretty strong. Yeah, they knew yeah, what to yeah, ask for. Yeah. CBA got a little bit stronger for them. But um, for the fans, this weekend is really for them to have the opportunity to have some camaraderie with the players, for kids to come out and see the players. It's, it's really this weekend is about our fans. So the players really have to bend over backwards to come here and, you know, try to put themselves out there so fans can see a different side of us and not just see us between the lines. Give me a feel for your weekend. What all do you have uh, going on after this? Uh, my weekend is pretty easy. Uh, thanks to you guys for having me here tonight. But probably just going to go out to dinner tonight and catch up with some old teammates and you know, just talk about some of the good old memories. <laughs> Can you share who uh, might be joining you? Uh, I see. I was with Ron Harper last night. so His son is good at Rutgers, man. Yeah, his kid's yeah, playing well. His son, so. I don't know. I, I'm running into guys. I was with Glenn Rice, Muggsy Bowles last night. So, you know, it's a lot of legends around. So, so you played in, what did we say, seven? Seven All-Star games? Yes, yeah, seven. Great memories, any bad memories? What, what stands out from the actual games? Well, my greatest memory was when I won the All-Star uh, MVP in Minnesota. Uh, it was kind of my first time breaking out of the Michael Jordan shell. <laughs> so, but it was, it was actually nice. It was a great uh, opportunity for me to go and really show my talent level. But I enjoyed all the All-Star games, even though I regretted being there. Um, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of pride to be mentioned among some of the best players in the game. All right, so since you mentioned MJ, I, I'm always been curious about this. Tell me, how did your relationship evolve over the years? And so let's go back to the beginning. When you joined the Bulls, how was he to you? How did you all get along? I got to have a drink on that. <laughs> me too. Uh, when I first came to the Bulls, um, my relationship with Horace Grant was very close. We got drafted together. We flew on the same plane to come in. We had a press conference. So we immediately bonded like brothers. And we started working out together. And, you know, we just grew. And we were inseparable. Uh, Michael had a little problem with, with that. And really, it was more of a problem with him and Horace. Horace and Michael really didn't really see eye to eye. Uh, Horace was a twin. So he believed in everything being equal. And there were days when Michael would play 45 minutes, maybe even 48 minutes. And Horse just didn't understand. The next day, Phil would tell Michael, you don't have to practice. So Horse felt like that he was getting a special treatment. So that kind of put a little um, space in between our relationship. But it, it kind of made it difficult for me to balance my relationship with Horse, but also try to be Michael's friend, too. So as time passed, uh, my relationship with Horace was still strong. But as Horace became a free agent, he just decided he didn't want to be here anymore. And my relationship with Michael, I guess, came a little closer because I was kind of the, the player that had the longest tender as far as playing here with him. So we just kind of, you know, and we had won three championships before Horace Grant. So long, don't let me forget about that. So, but. 
we were a close niche team, but Horse just really um, never felt comfortable here. Very interesting. Now, did you get any preview when Michael walked away, or were you as dumbfounded as the rest of us? I was dumbfounded as the rest of you guys. Uh, it was a surprise. It was pretty shocking. I thought we were the best in the world, and you know we just couldn't be stopped, and we were at such a dominant level. Like, why would you, you know, turn this down? But you know, he had other things going on in his life that you know he had to deal with, and still to this day, we don't know what those issues were, why he left the game. Beyond his father, that was, wasn't that the main thing. I don't know if it was his father that made him leave the game. I don't know. Um, but whatever the reason was, it it worked out great for us when he came back. Well, and how about the two seasons when you were the alpha male, when you were the guy? Was that enjoyable? I mean, you had all the pressure on you then, and you guys played great. And Hugh Hollins posed you. But in general, how was, how was that stretch for you? Did you enjoy it? It was the most enjoyable time of my NBA career at that time. Uh, you know, I enjoyed playing with Michael, don't get me wrong. And winning, there's, you know, that's the ultimate goal. But it was an opportunity for me to really have a, a team of my own and to be able to kind of see where I would put myself in the league amongst other superstars. And I felt like we, we had a great season, two seasons. Totally. Did Michael – did he sort of come to you and say, hey, I'm thinking about coming back, or did he just come back? Um, no, he didn't come to me and say nothing. <laughs> he, he started He's like – He's not very collaborative, it doesn't well, sound like. You know what? That, that second year he was out, you could see – now that I know this, you could see like it was starting to pull him back in because he started to stop by practice, you know, and then he'll you know, come to a game – so he was starting to to feel like he was missing us more than we were missing him. <laughs> oh, that's great. And then the three championships when you were together, um, which of those three stands out, or were they all equally enjoyable? They, they all were enjoyable, but, you know, I always say that nothing can top the first three, but the last three with Dennis Rodman. <laughs> Nothing could top that. Uh, you know, even looking back in 96 when we won 70, 72 games, I don't know how we did it. Like, we had the biggest party animal on our team. <laughs> I mean, when you go out with Dennis, this dude order, and the waitress come out with a tray full of drinks. And this all night around the clock. How did you handle that, man? It was fun, man. <laughs> Did Phil let you guys blow off practice or shoot around the following morning if you guys were out till 4 or 5, whatever? You know what, man? Phil Jackson was the coolest coach ever. I mean, he fucking got it. <laughs> Seriously. Playing for Phil, he rewarded you. You win. We didn't practice. You know, that's, that was the beauty of that year. Like, we were so mature. To the fact, like, Phil just let us, we did what we wanted, to be honest. We smoked cigars on the plane. <laughs> like, we were living the life. <laughs> oh, phenomenal, man. Um, hey, so I was looking today. You did compete in one slam dunk contest, right? Please don't mention oh. it. <laughs> <laughs> the first dunk was pretty good. 
You took off in the free throw line. I didn't get no points for it. I know. It. MJ's foot was a, a on the huge, line. Exactly. Yeah. You got but totally. He did have that. a little bit more charisma than I did. All right, we're going to get into uh, a segment now we call Here and Now. So when Kobe passed, you had uh, some really heartfelt tweets. One of the things you talked about with Kobe was you used the word curious to describe him. So was he a guy who asked you a lot of questions when he was playing? All the time. Um, you know, Kobe would call me and pick my brains. And it was amazing to know that he did that to a lot of players. He did it to people in all walks of life, whether it was a movie producer or someone that, you know, has the best written, best-selling author, whatever. Kobe was a very intelligent guy, and he believed in striving to be the best. And, you know, I, I, I hate that we didn't tell him how great he really was because he strived so hard to be Michael Jordan. And when I go back and I look at his videos and I say to myself, Damn, he was better than Michael Jordan because he he worked so hard. He put it in. This kid came out of high school. He didn't go play for North Carolina under a Dean Smith. Like, he worked at his craft, bilingual. Like, God bless his soul. Amazingly well-rounded person. And you were – did you remain friends with him? Did you – yeah, I, I remained friends with him. I mean, I would see him a few times out in L.A. while I was at the gym, taking my kids. I used to take my kids to his mumbo gym and, and shoot. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I live in L.A. now, so uh, I was able to, to be around him. And it was good to see the other side of Kobe. You know, uh, we talk about Michael, but we don't really see Michael much. But Kobe was really starting to, like, bring himself out, spend time. You saw his love that he had teaching his daughter Gigi basketball and how he was into that. So uh, it was good to see, like, the second coming of, of, of where this young man was, was headed. I want to ask you about a guy who I perceive as an amazingly hard worker, Jimmy Butler, who we enjoyed here for a number of years. So when the Bulls made that trade, what do you remember thinking? Did you remember thinking that was good or not so smart? I love Jimmy Butler. Um, I think Jimmy Butler should still be with this organization. Um, he, I mean, you, you Jimmy look Butler at table what, over there. How you doing? I mean, you look at what Jimmy Butler does to other teams. Uh, he went to Minnesota. He fought hard to try to get those young players to believe and work hard. Uh, what I love about Jimmy Butler is no one knew who the heck Jimmy Butler was. He's worked very hard to become the superstar that he is today. And the teammates feed off that. I mean, look how the Miami Heat are playing. Who thought the Miami Heat would be like one of the top two teams in the East? It's all because of Jimmy Butler and the culture that he carries around with him. And I give a lot of credit to the Miami Heat organization because they built that kind of culture, but they embrace a guy like Jimmy Butler because that's what they bleed. They bleed that a guy that works hard and can – get his teammates to buy into it. It's funny. I think some people in the Bulls organization, they were calling him Hollywood, and they felt like he started as a humble kid and then became full of himself. But, I mean, the results are amazing. Hey, we all do. <laughs> get a little you full know, of ourselves. If you work hard and you become 
a player that can rise to the occasion, yeah. then your ego going to rise with it. And that's what the Bulls weren't able to deal with. But Jimmy Butler's a superstar. Absolutely. And they had him pretty much for cheap. They should have kept him. Yeah. All right, we are going to go now. We have a couple questions that Thuzio members have submitted. So I got these for you. The first one from Paul Saldana of Allstate. Scotty, if you could relive one moment, would it be the nasty facial dunk on Ewing, followed up by telling Spike to sit his butt down, or winning the 94 All-Star MVP? Oh, it would be 94 MVP. Why? <laughs> it, was a, it was a great time. Uh, I told someone in the back that I was in – in Minnesota, it was cold just like Chicago. And me and a buddy, we was up playing cards and we were playing for drinks. <laughs> and I got drunk that day. <laughs> and I had to go to the game, but you know, it was all-star weekend. We, you know, it was my break. But I had a few cocktails and went and played that game and it was one of the greatest games I ever Time played in. <clears throat> Time out. Were you drinking Saturday the night before or Sunday the day of? I was drinking Sunday the day of, all the way up at the game time. All right, so all of us could do our jobs better if we drank a few hours before? But Hey, that was nothing. I played with Dennis. He was drunk every game. <laughs> Wait, did you ever get annoyed with Dennis? Like, because he would, what, never show up for practice or whatever? Or did you all just say, that's him? No, I won't say, like, we were mature enough to understand Dennis. You know, Dennis was a little weird, but he was good when he got between those lines. And that's all we really cared about. But, you know, he was one of those guys that myself, Michael, we were the leader of the team. So we were mature enough to allow Dennis to go. If he had a night, he got drunk. He didn't come to practice. Phil would send Michael over to maybe get him. Phil Michael, would send Michael yeah. to get him. Yeah, he was like a mile. Dennis had to live so close to the practice facility because he didn't want to come to practice. And he would just be in there sleeping or smoking or doing whatever? He'd be asleep. As Michael explained it, a bunch of naked bodies laying all over the room. So hey, we much, don't have any, oh, we got some kids in here. I'm sorry. Pretty much just what we would imagine. Dennis Rodman's house looking yes, like. Yes, but it was all good. But, yeah, we, we understood Dennis. Dennis was a, a great professional, and, you know, he, he did what it had to, he had to do night in and night out. So much respect to that guy. Uh, glad he's still living. Absolutely. <laughs> he and Keith Richards, it's kind of a miracle. All right, second question is from a guy named Justin Zimmerman of ProShares. You are generally considered one of the greatest defensive players to ever play the game. Who in today's game would you like to have the opportunity to guard? It's a good question. LeBron James. Ooh. How would you deal with him? I don't know. It would have been great. I would have loved to play against LeBron in his career. Uh, he's a difficult player, man. He's a Carl Malone with the skills of a Magic Johnson. But I would have loved to embrace the challenge. He'd probably kick my ass, though. I mean, the dude putting in, what, 17 years, and he's like he's – in his fifth year. I mean, that dunk he had the other day, oh. it was like the Kobe-like dunk. That was amazing. I think everything he's doing is inspired by Kobe right now. Like, I've seen a changed LeBron since the passing of Kobe. When people have asked you, LeBron or MJ, who would you take? What do you say? 
Bro, I'm taking MJ all day, every day. <laughs> that is a very popular answer. Absolutely. Why? Why? I mean, I've had so much success with him. Why not? I mean, that's my only choice. We bonded. We're brothers. We're family. We, we're the best. We were the best. <laughs> you can go present tense, man. You guys live on forever. Um, Going to do a segment now we call it The Five, where we ask um, whoever the Thuzio guest is five questions. So these are a little more rapid fire, but, you know, go a little long if you want to. It's up to you. Number one, who was the toughest opponent, toughest team you have ever faced? I would say the Detroit Pistons. The bad boys? The Detroit Pistons. You didn't call them the bad boys? What do you mean? No, I don't have a problem with it. Uh, but they were, they were one of our toughest tasks. Uh, but to me, I say that because I was young. I was not physically mature. So everybody was a tough challenge for me. Just so happened they were at the top of the ladder. And that's why they were the toughest opponent. But really, the Boston Celtics, they were just as tough. But the Pistons brought a different style of play. They were more physical with us. Who did you, who did you guard when those Pistons Bulls series? Adrian Dantley, oh, Mark man. Aguirre. Scorers, Jesus. Those guys could score 30 if you weren't watching. Uh, Adrian Dantley was one of my hardest guys to guard. Like, I could never stay in the game against that guy. Like, he, would, he had a move. Every time I was up on him, he would lock my arm and run with it. Like, I said, you old fuck. <laughs> that, hey, that was after I got my third foul. That guy was cagey. Oh man, my! God. He was. He was a score, man. I don't. People don't really remember Adrian Dantley, but man, he was a hard guard. Amazing player. I mean, he wasn't but six five. Right, right. Muscular. I mean, he could just feel like he could just put up thirty at will. Uh, question two: One player you wish you could have played with on the same team? Shaquille O'Neal. Do you do a good Shaq impression, by the way? I don't with have that, any good with Shaq impression. With that, that, that mumbling, that like kind of thing he does. <laughs> no, <Yeah>. Somebody hit <laughs> video on go. me. I ain't going to let Shaq smack me. <laughs> so, no, I would have loved to play with Shaq. Uh, I'm sure you guys remember when I went to Houston after they dismantled the Bull team. So I went to Houston for the 50-game season, and I felt like I had landed home, to be honest. I'm like, I'm playing with Charles Barkley, Hakeem Olajuwon. I'm like, I'm thinking I'm going to be playing for a title again. Those guys were done. <laughs> they were done. So I played that 50 games with them, and I was communicating with Phil, and Phil was out of the game at that time. So um, I was talking to Phil, and I asked Phil, like, are you getting back in the game? And he said, yeah. And I said, all right, you said enough. So I called my agent, and I'm like, can you try to get me traded to the Lakers? <laughs> and they started talks with Houston. I kind of let Houston know I wasn't happy. But the moral of the story, I was never able to play with Shaq. Shaq would have been – he would have been fun, and he would have gotten all that attention, so you could have done your thing. I could have played 30 years if I could have played with Shaq. <laughs> You've told him that, I assume? You guys are on the set together. I like. know I could have played 30 years with yeah. Shaq because he would have finished his career in L.A. <laughs> Interesting. 
most influential coach you've ever had at any stage of your career? The obvious Phil Jackson. He's the greatest. I was fortunate enough to play for one of the greatest coaches in the game, play with the greatest player in the game. And I probably could say I played for the greatest GM in the game in Jerry Krause. The greatest fans. Come on. I'm going to give Jerry Krause, but I'm also going to say I played in a city with the greatest fans in the world. Seriously. Who here, who here was in Chicago Stadium for some of those good days? I know, look at this. Got some old people here, including me. Do you prefer the stadium or the United Center? I like the old stadium. Amazing. The only thing I like about the United Center is we got some nice showers. The water's warm. But in the old stadium, the water was cold. We used to have to let the showers run for a half hour after the game. Yeah, I like a hot shower. All right. Um, what the water came from downtown. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I don't know where it came from. If there was an athlete that you modeled your game after or maybe a couple athletes who you modeled your game after, who would you say? You know, as a kid, I, I idolized Magic, Larry Bird, and Dr. J. And I felt like I idolized my game out of all those guys. I tried to learn from them, their skill set, and what they did on the basketball court and I tried to put it all in one. Pretty successful. Have you become friends with Magic? Do you have a relationship with him? Just when I see him at the gym, but no, we don't really have that relationship. But I see him at the gym, like he'll come all the way across the gym to say hello to me. So, I mean, there's some bond there. You know, we played on the dream team together. I love Magic. He's one of my favorite players, but I don't, I don't go in his territory. Why is that? He's a Laker. I'm a bull. Oh, so it's that stuff never dies. What's that? That stuff never dies. You played for one no, side, he it, played for it, the other. It doesn't. And I guess it wouldn't be right for him to bond with me when he has so many of his ex teammates around. Oh, okay. Interesting. I wouldn't have seen that. Even though I'm a teammate, you know, dream team. Dream team. Yeah. Did you how many Olympics did you, how many gold medals? I got two. What what stood out from those? What's that? What stood out from those? Beating Angola? <laughs> you know, what stood out for me as being a part of the international team was really having a chance to bond with your peers. You know, we play against these guys. Like, when I played in the league, we didn't have Instagram. We didn't text each other. Like, there was no love for the Bulls, the Pistons, or whether it was the Milwaukee Bucks or the Indiana Pacers. So... It was all about being competitive, like from every level. When you get out your car, till you get in the gym, till you leave the gym, like we were never friends with the enemies. But then that experience. All right, so we have one final question. You could have lunch with anybody in the world. Who's it going to be? Well, I first told you Barack Obama. I don't think that's who you first told me, but we'll the go with that. hell with Barack. Give me Michelle. <laughs> You're a fan, huh? Yes, I'm, I'm a fan. I, I, I love them. They're very special being Chicagoans and being our first black president. So uh, I love to have dinner with his wife. And I would like to join you for that. Guys, thank you so much, Scotty. That was spectacular. Sure, thank, you thank you, guys. So it's a pleasure. Much, Thanks for listening to the Thuzio Live and Unfiltered podcast with our guest, Scotty Pippen. 
Be sure to subscribe to Thuzio Live and Unfiltered wherever you listen to podcasts. And be sure to follow us on social media at Thuzio.